Thank you. Let's, let's try that again. I'm going to say Happy Mother's Day. And, and everyone who is a mom or who has a mom <laughs> is going to shout, Woo! right? Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> All right. Amen. Uh, I was going to get Corinne a sewing machine for Mother's Day. And one of my friends said, oh, great. I'm going to get my wife a vacuum and an iron. And I thought maybe that would be a good birthday present instead. So hopefully uh, you're honoring your moms, you're honoring your wives. Uh, I just want to pray a special prayer of blessing for moms in this room today. And I know that uh, some of you would love to be moms but haven't had the opportunity. And uh, I want to pray and acknowledge you as well. And I want to say that every woman can be a spiritual mother. And so uh, we want to encourage you... uh, Whether you have physical children or not, you can have spiritual children and you can shepherd and lead them as well. So let me pray for you. Father, we come to you today and we lift up the moms who are in this place. God, we we ask that you would bless them. and, And we know that life would not be the same without a mom. There God, I know that if Corinne wasn't caring for my four boys, I would not survive. And I am so thankful that you have blessed moms in this place with children, whether they're biological children, whether they're adopted children, whether they are spiritual children. Lord, I ask that you would uh, encourage them, that you would speak to them, that you would empower them through your Holy Spirit in a special way and meaningful way that today would be a special day, uh, a day that we acknowledge as Mother's Day, but really that would remind us that every day is a day to honor our mothers and our fathers. God, we acknowledge you and we love you and we ask for you to meet us in this place as we worship you together today, as we look into your word and we ask a special blessing on the mothers in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to ask a, a question as we get started into the, into the message today. When was the last time that you undeniably saw the Holy Spirit at work in you or around you? When was the last time when you had an experience or an encounter with the Holy Spirit that was supernatural and you said, There is no other explanation for this than God. Have you ever had an experience or an encounter like that? When was the last time it happened? I want to share a story from my own life, an experience that I had with God when he called me into ministry to be a pastor. And I don't share this to bring attention to myself or to say, oh, look how good I am. I just want to give you a little bit of background on where I'm coming from because today we're starting a new sermon series on the Holy Spirit. So I grew up in a church family. I've been a musician as long as I can remember. Um, When I was uh, 12 years old, I started playing music with the worship team at our church. And when I was in college, the pastor asked me to be the worship leader. It was a part-time job. And I had other career aspirations, but I thought this would be a great part-time job for a college kid. So I accepted the job, and I felt like God was maybe calling me to be a worship arts pastor full-time. 
but I wasn't really sure if that's exactly what I was supposed to do or even what I was gifted to do. Uh, I love music, but I'm not a great musician, I just average as, that, as far as that goes. But I felt like that's what God was calling me to do, and I wasn't too sure about it, but I was leading worship at a church in Quincy, Illinois, Bethel Assembly of God Church, and uh, the average attendance was uh, around four to 500 on a Sunday, given any given Sunday, depending on what was going on in the community and around. And so <clears throat> I had been leading worship for about a week, uh, sorry, about a month, and in this particular week, uh, we were praying and we were preparing for the service, and uh, when we got to the service, we were singing, and the song was, Holy Spirit, Rain Down. And we were singing this song, and th there are about 450 people present, and we're all singing, and then at, in, at this one point in the middle of the song, the whole room went silent. The whole room, all at the same time. Like all the musicians stopped playing, and all the singers stopped singing, and all the congregations stopped singing all at the same time, like that, like there was a cue, like God pushed the mute button. <laughs> and th this, we were all just standing there, and then a weight rolled into the room. And it was such a powerful presence of God. In fact, it was such a heavy weight that I could not stay standing. And I had to go down on my knees like this because it was such a heavy weight that I physically could not stand up. And I looked around and several other members of the worship team were laying on the stage because they could not stand up under the weight. And for about a minute, for about a full minute, 400 plus people were completely silenced as this weight hung in the room. And about a minute later, the weight lifted, and we stood up, and we sang the rest of the song, and the pastor got up and preached his sermon, and we went about the rest of our day and our week. And that is the moment at which I knew that God was calling me to be a worship arts pastor. And the interesting thing about that story is later when I was in seminary, and I was uh, learning how to, to, to study the Bible and its original languages, and uh, in the Old Testament... The Hebrew word for glory is the word kavod. And the interesting thing about it is the word kavod actually means heavy. So, so the Hebrew word for God's glory or the kavod of the Lord is heavy. And I experienced the heavy glory and presence of God so heavy that I couldn't even stay standing. And that was a supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit and I wonder if you have had an encounter like that with God. If you have had an experience with the presence and the power and the weight of the Holy Spirit, that you say that was God. We're starting this series today on the Holy Spirit. And you might wonder, why does it matter that we start this series? Well, I could explain it, but I have this really interesting video. I would encourage you to, to take a couple of minutes and watch. It explains it so well. The Big Red Tractor and the Little Village Once upon a time in a little field in a happy little village lived a big red tractor. Every morning during plowing season the village people, no not those village people, would come out and start the red tractor. Everyone loved the tractor and the powerful noises it would make. 
They would cheer for the big red tractor because he would help them through plowing season. The people worked together to move the tractor. Half of the villagers would push from behind, while the other half would pull. They had been doing it this way for many generations. Some days they moved the tractor 10 feet. Some days they moved it 20. They did this for three whole months every year. Because of their hard work, the villagers always managed to plow the field, just in time to plant, and just before the rainy season. The rains would come to water the field. Then the sun would come out to make the crops grow, and then the people would come out and harvest all the new crops. It was just enough food to feed the entire village. One day, Farmer Dave was cleaning out his attic. To his surprise, he found an old book tucked beneath his great-grandpa's belongings. It was the owner's manual to the big red tractor. This book told about how the tractor was made and all of the great things it could do. Farmer Dave studied the book all night. He was shocked by what he was reading. According to the book, if the big red tractor was running properly, it could plow the whole field in just one day. Early the next morning, Farmer Dave gathered the villagers to tell them the good news, but nobody believed him. There's no way that tractor can move on its own. Some said. One lady said, "It sounds like you're reading a fairy tale." The people laughed at him. This made Farmer Dave very sad. This didn't stop Farmer Dave from believing what he read. Every night, while the other villagers were asleep, Farmer Dave spent time repairing the big red tractor. One night, Farmer Dave fixed the tractor completely. He jumped on the tractor and had so much fun driving it. He ended up plowing the whole field in one night. The next morning, the villagers woke up and were in shock. The whole field had been plowed. It's a miracle, one man said. Maybe aliens came down, said an old woman. No, look over there, a little boy shouted. It was Farmer Dave sleeping on the tractor. It was then that people shouted. He was right. The tractor book is true. The villagers ended up plowing many fields that year, and harvesting way more food than they could ever eat. They had so many leftover boxes of food that they began taking the boxes to other villages where food was scarce. The big red tractor and his little village soon became famous throughout the land. They became known as the most generous and life-giving people in the whole wide world. That's based on a children's book by Francis Chan that goes. He wrote it to go along with a, a study that he wrote on the Holy Spirit, and the book that he wrote on the Holy Spirit is called The Forgotten God. And so, yes, we're starting our series today called The God Christians Forget. I'm totally ripping Francis Chan's uh, title off,、um, but I'm crediting it, right? So it's it's okay.、Um, I think this idea that the Holy Spirit is a God that Christians forget. Is a really interesting and probably true idea, and that's why it's so important for us to to learn about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. There are、uh, th- there is a tendency among Christians in our in our world and in our society to 
neglect the Holy Spirit, to ignore the Holy Spirit, to forget about the Holy Spirit. You know, we're familiar with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know those words. And we know a lot about God the Father. We know a lot about God the Son. But we don't know a lot about God the Holy Spirit. In fact, if we're honest, we might be a little afraid of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are so many wild and wacky and kooky ideas about the Holy Spirit that float around in our society today. And people do so many things in the name of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit told me to. And then they do things that, that don't line up with God's word or that, that may be off base a little bit. And we think, wow, that seems kind of kooky. That seems kind of weird. You know, uh, uh, there's the, the, the Pentecostal movement, the charismatic movement. As one professor I had, the charismaniac movement, <laughs> right? So there's all these weird ideas about the Holy Spirit and who he is and how he works and what he does and, and the gifts of the Spirit and are they still active and are they not and blah, 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 you know. All these things. And so a lot of us, if we're honest, we just, we, there's so much unknown about the Holy Spirit that we, we just kind of skirt around the edge. And, and we don't think about him. We don't, we don't call on him and, and on his power for our daily uh, lives. We, we just sort of forget about him. And that's really sad. Because living life apart from the power of the Holy Spirit is like trying to push that tractor through the field. There is such a power in that tractor that it could plow the entire field in one day and, and the villagers were there pushing and pulling and pushing and pulling because they weren't connected to the power that was within. And if they had just connected to that power when they did, they plowed that field and other fields and they fed thousands of people, the whole world, and, and, and life was so different because they discovered the power. And I think that's true of us. If we live life apart from the Holy Spirit, it's like trying to push the tractor through the field. You know, how many times do Christians say, yes, I've given my life to Christ and now God's Spirit lives within me, but... My life is not supernatural. You know, you read about things in the Bible and you read about miracles and healings and exorcisms and all these things and you think, what happened? I don't have any of that power in my life. You know, I, I've never experienced those things. Has God ever spoken to you, to me? There are so many Christians that say, I've never heard God speak to me. I've never experienced the power of God. You know, and, and we say, yes, I, I'm a Christian. My life belongs to Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in my heart, but yet I, am, uh, I, I don't have victory over sin in my life. I still struggle with the same recurring habitual sins over and over and over and over. And, and I thought that this Holy Spirit thing was like power or something, but I don't really experience that power. It's trying to push the tractor through the field when we just need to turn it on. And that's why we are going to do a series on the Holy Spirit. He is the key to living the Christian life. He is the key to being who God created you and called you to be. And it's actually impossible to fulfill your calling without the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see that in the coming weeks. So, the message today is going to be a little bit different. The first uh, message in this series is, who is the Holy Spirit? And, and so the, the message is going to be a little different. Usually I like to grab one passage of Scripture and really dig deep into that one passage and see what it's teaching. 
This message, we're going to be jumping all over the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. We're going to be seeing what the Bible or the owner's manual has to say about the Holy Spirit, about who he is. And so um, I, I've put the, the scriptures that we're going to be reading up on the screen. You can follow along there. There's a lot of jumping back and forth. And, and just to further equip you as we begin our study, in your program, uh, on the back of your life group questions, there is a Holy Spirit Bible reading plan. 14 passages of scripture that teach us about the Holy Spirit, about who he is and what he does. And so I'm going to be reading through these uh, readings this month. You can, I would invite you to participate along. If you start tomorrow and you read Monday through Friday, just the readings here, uh, you'll finish this Bible reading plan by the end of May. Uh, and so that will help you get sort of a good understanding of the, who the Holy Spirit is and what the Bible has to say about him. And then uh, because we're going to be looking at so many different passages of Scripture today, uh, I will also post a copy of my sermon outline on the website with the sermon audio file. So you can go back and grab all those scriptures and dig into them yourself uh, if you would like. But let's jump right in. Who is the Holy Spirit? First thing, first thing, the Holy Spirit is God. He is God. In the same way that God the Father is God, in the same way that God the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. It's called the Trinity. That's what we believe in, in, uh, in Christianity, that God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're going to flesh this out, but let me show you in the Bible where it says the Holy Spirit is God. There's an interesting story in Acts chapter 5 where um, uh, the, the church has just been birthed and, and things are happening in, in Jerusalem. And uh, Ananias and Sapphira, a husband and a wife, they come and they're going to give an offering to the church and they lie about how much the offering is. And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Peter says this, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Now, I don't have time to really dig into that story, although that's a really interesting story. What I want to pull out of this is that Peter equates the Holy Spirit with God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. What does that mean for the Holy Spirit to be God? Well, it means several things, and, and the sermon today is going to have a lot of lists in it, which is also a little different than normal, so uh, just, we'll just kind of go through these. If the Holy Spirit is God, number one, that means that he is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. If you look in John chapter 14, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit with personal pronouns. Uh, he says, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is a he. He is not an it. He is a person. What does it mean to be a person? Well, it means a lot of things, but it means at least these three things. He thinks. Romans 8.27 tells us the Holy Spirit has his own mind. He thinks. He feels. 
Ephesians 4.30 says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. He can be grieved by our sin. So he thinks and he feels and he speaks. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, the uh, elders at the church in Antioch were praying, and it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. See, the Holy Spirit speaks. He said that. And he refers to himself in the first person. Set apart Barnabas and Saul for me, for the work to which I have called them. He is a person. He thinks, he feels, and he speaks. That's part of what it means when I say the Holy Spirit is God. Another thing is the Holy Spirit is God. That means not only is he a person, but he shares the divine nature of God. Everything that God is, the Holy Spirit is, because the Holy Spirit is God. He is perfect in love, Romans 5.5. 5. He is all-powerful. Luke 1.35 describes the Holy Spirit as the power of the Most High. He has unlimited power. He is all-knowing. He knows Everything that has ever happened, he knows everything that ever will happen. He knows everything that ever could happen. He knows every single thing that there is to know. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. He knows all that there is to know. He is perfect in love. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He is all-present. He is everywhere at the same time, all of him is everywhere at one time. He is all present. Now, uh, you might think, what does that mean? Like his fingers are in China and his toes are in Florida and his knees are somewhere in the Pacific? Not exactly. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a body. He doesn't have fingers and toes and knees. It, it means literally that all of him is everywhere at one time. He is all present. Psalm 139 Verse 7 says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. He is all present everywhere at once. He is eternal. We find that in Hebrews 9.14. So he shares the divine nature of God. Everything that God is, the Holy Spirit is, because the Holy Spirit is God. He's, pers he's a person. He shares the divine nature of God. And the third thing is he does what only God can do. The Holy Spirit does things that no one except God can do. God is the creator of of the universe. And the Holy Spirit shows up in the second sentence of the Bible. He participated in creation. Genesis 1-2, right after God created the heavens and the earth, it says, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He participates in creation. And he does what only God can do in that he gives life. He has the power of life and death. Only God has that power. Romans chapter 8, 
Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. He is God. He is a person. He shares the divine nature of God, and he does what only God can do. Now, unfortunately, one of my favorite series of movies has contributed to a lack of understanding of the Holy Spirit in our culture and our society. Star Wars. And I wanted to bring a lightsaber up, and, but <clears throat> Corinne told me no. So, and since it's Mother's Day, I listen. Um, Star Wars. I love the Star Wars movies, right? I, they're classic, and the new ones are not so classic, but they're classic. So, the, the problem with the, the idea of Star Wars and the way that it, it has impacted our understanding of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's the force in Star Wars. The, the life force or the energy that binds all living things in the universe together. And, and if, you're, uh, if you're a Jedi or a Sith, you can tap into the power of the force and you can control it and manipulate it and use it to your own ends and you can kind of do what you want. But the force in Star Wars is not a personal being. He, he, it has no intelligence. It has no uh, will. It has no ability. It's just the life force that sort of connects all the universe together. And because the, the, the prevalence of Star Wars in our society and because of the general lack of understanding about the Holy Spirit, many, many Christians today view the Holy Spirit kind of like the Christian version of the force. And we think, oh, well, yeah, that's, that's like the power of God and, and, you know, like super special holy Jedi Christians. They can, like, tap into the force and, and like, whew. Have you ever seen the videos where they do this? And, like, people fall over and, you know, and it's all, the, it's like the force, the Christian force. But you have to be a super holy special Jedi Christian in order to contact the force. And the rest of us, we're just, like, sort of wandering around life, pushing the tractor through the field, you know, and, and, and that's just not true. The Holy Spirit is not the force. He is not an impersonal power. He is the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. And as such, he is worthy of our worship, our obedience, and our allegiance. We should learn about the Holy Spirit because he is God. And if we want to live for God and be filled with the power of God, we need to understand who God is. And that means understanding who the Holy Spirit is. He is worthy to be worshipped, to be obeyed. When the Spirit calls, we listen. We get up. We follow. We go. We sing to Him. We pray to Him. We serve Him. We live for Him and through Him and in Him because He is God. Number two, the Holy Spirit is God in us. He's not just God in the world. He is God in us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Your body is a temple for God. It is the place where God lives and dwells. That 
is the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We are the temple of God, collectively and individually. Our bodies are God's home on earth. And that is an amazing truth that many of us forget about and don't tap into. And incidentally, the Holy Spirit is holy, hence the name Holy Spirit. Where God lives is holy ground. If God lives in my body, my body becomes holy. So I should not profane what is made holy by the presence of God living in me. That's why Paul says, honor God with your bodies, because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God in us, and there are several implications and things that we can take from that. One of them is this. He gives us a new heart. He is God in us, and he gives us a new heart. The Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, God says this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. He takes away the old dead heart that is resistant to God, and he gives us a new living heart that is alive by the power of the spirit. He gives us a new heart. He also transforms us. He changes us. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's the Holy Spirit, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He starts to change you the moment that you give your life to Christ, and he continues to transform you throughout the rest of your life. He transforms us. He is our helper. God in us, he is our helper. John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Now, the, the Greek word behind the word helper that's translated helper in English, the Greek word behind that literally means the one who is called alongside. The Holy Spirit is the one who is called alongside of us in life. He is there to be with us, to walk through the difficult challenges of life with us, to, to love us, to help us, to encourage us, to comfort us. He is our helper, our comforter, our advocate. He is the one who is called to go through life with us, God himself. And here's one of the ways that he helps us. He prays for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. I think one of the most amazing things I've ever discovered about the Holy Spirit is that He prays for us. God prays for you. Now, most of the time we think about prayer, we think about me praying to God. And a lot of times we'll say, okay, do you have a prayer request so that I can pray for you? We don't typically think about God praying. We think of prayer more, the, more from us. But, but this is so amazing. God himself prays for you. He loves you and cares for you, and he knows what needs to be said 
more than you do yourself. So when you reach that point in your prayer life and in your walk with God, when you just don't know what else to say and you've reached the end of what your language can communicate, the Holy Spirit will take over and pray for you. That is incredible. He transforms us. He's our helper. He prays for us. He teaches us. John 14, 26 says that he teaches us all things. And he guides us through life. There's an amazing story in Acts chapter 16 where Paul is on a missionary journey and he wants to go into Bithynia and plant a church and it says the Spirit would not let him enter Bithynia. I wonder what that was like. Like I wonder if the Spirit just put up like an invisible door and Paul was like walking into the city. Oh, you know, what's... Oh, like we don't really know. The Bible doesn't tell us. It's kind of fun to think about. Paul banging his head on an invisible door. But, you know, the Spirit wouldn't let him go into Bithynia. Instead, he had a vision of a man from Macedonia begging him to come and preach the gospel in Macedonia. So he changed his plans, and he went to Macedonia and planted a church there, and everything was great. And, and the Spirit was guiding him. He guides us through our lives because he is God in us. And he assures us of salvation. Ryan said last week, you can be certain of your salvation, of your eternal destination. And the way that you can be certain of that is through the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You can know that you belong to God because the Holy Spirit of God is in you and he testifies that we are God's children. He is God in us and we need to come to God in us and to live in his power I like to take my boys fishing I haven't done this a whole lot but uh, it, it's fun to go and and annoying at the same time right because they're young enough that they can't really figure out how to uh, tie a fisherman's knot or how to uh, cast the line they don't really know how to do any of that stuff but they want to do it all themselves any of your kids ever like that I don't want help. I want to do it all myself. So we're sitting in the canoe, and, and I'm perfectly capable of getting their pole and casting it out for them and helping them figure it out, and instead, I'm spending all my time, instead of fishing with them, I'm spending my time untangling their line from trees and, and cutting the line because they, they got hung up on something, and, you know, and they're having all the fun catching all the fish, and I'm just the, you know, whatever. So the thing is, they could just turn to me for help, and I would show them how to cast their line and how to do this and how to do that. But, but they don't want to. They want to do it on them, themselves. Well, isn't that oftentimes how we approach life? Like, we have God in us. Why are we struggling through life on our own? I mean, how silly is this, that, that I think that I have to get through this season of life in my own strength and my own power? I have God, the Holy Spirit, saying, hello, 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 I'm here. Do you want help? Do you want some encouragement? I'm your helper. I'm your comforter. Do you want some power for this? Do you want me to walk through this with you? I'm called alongside of you. Hello. And, and, and I'm like, no, God, no, I want to do my own thing. I want to I, I figure this out on my own. You know, how much do we do that? All the time. I do that all the time. And God has to knock on my head and say, don't forget, I'm here 
if we would just plug into the power of the Holy Spirit and turn to him for help, how much more could we do? How much more could we have victory over that recurring habitual sin that so plagues our lives? It's by turning to the power of the Holy Spirit who is right there in us. Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God in us. And number three, the Holy Spirit is God at work. He is God accomplishing God's mission in the world. Now, the Holy Spirit has done many, many, many things throughout history. But in this current era of human history, the era between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ, this, er this is what the Bible refers to as the last days. In this current era of human history, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. That is his main function and role in this period of time between the first and second coming of Jesus. It is to glorify Christ. That's what he does. That's his primary role. And you say, well, where do you get that? I'm glad you asked. John chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Did you catch that? God, the Holy Spirit, will not speak on his own authority. It's not that he doesn't have authority, but he doesn't exercise that authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, that is Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What he's teaching us, what Jesus is teaching us in this passage is, the Holy Spirit of God in this current era of human history will not speak on his own, but he will speak to glorify Christ. He will speak the words that God the Father and God the Son give to him, and he will glorify Christ in that way. That is his primary role in this era of human history. That is his primary work. And I want to highlight a few ways that he does that. He glorifies Christ in the word you know that the Holy Spirit is the divine author of Scripture? The reason we have a Bible is because the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible to be written. That's what we read in 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 20. So he glorifies Christ in the Word, and he glorifies Christ in us. We studied that a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. He glorifies Christ by bringing Christ's image to bear in us by making us more like Jesus. We call that sanctification. It's how the Holy Spirit makes us holy throughout our lives. He glorifies Christ in the Word. He glorifies Christ in us. And He glorifies Christ in the church. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts to serve one another so that Christ can be glorified in the church to build up the body of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, to build up the body of Christ the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to glorify Christ in the church, and he glorifies Christ in the world. 
through empowering our witness. He glorifies Christ in the word, in us, in the church, and in the world. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God is at work glorifying Christ in the world through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. I like to take my boys fishing. I also like to do projects with them around the house, you know, like building a fence or a step or a shelf or something. And the projects always take three times longer, and I'm blaming that not on my lack of skill, but on the fact that the boys are helping me, right? So, so I don't need their help to do a project. I'm going to attempt to build a swing set in the backyard this summer. Uh, I don't need their help with that. I could do it by, them, by myself. But it's more enjoyable for me to do that with them. So we might get it done by next summer. <laughs> right? But it's, it's a project that we will do together. It's like going to work with dad. And that's exactly how God is with us. He doesn't need us to accomplish his mission in the world. He doesn't need me to stand up here and teach about the Holy Spirit. He could snap his fingers and download all the information that you need to know about the Holy Spirit right into your brain right now. He could do that. And, and it would be so much faster and so much more efficient and so much better than if I'm doing it, or at least I think that, but you know what? It's actually not better because God chooses to do his work through us and with us. And God's choice is always the best choice. So he doesn't need us, but because he wants to go on mission with us and to work with us, he chooses to use us. God is at work. The Holy Spirit is God at work. And the question is, will you join him in his work? He is inviting you to be filled with himself so that he can empower you to serve others and to be on his mission and to do his work. Not because he needs you, but because he wants to work with you like a dad or a mom teaching their kids how to tie their shoes or how to paint or how to build something or how to cook something. God wants to do that with you because he loves you and he wants that relationship with you. That is who the Holy Spirit is. He is God in us at work. Will you join him in his work? Let me pray. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for sending your Holy Spirit out, that you poured out your Spirit on all people on the day of Pentecost. Everyone who comes to Christ can be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray that if there is someone in this room who has not yet given their life to Christ and has not yet experienced the power of your Holy Spirit in their lives, that they would decide to surrender to you and that they would be filled with your Holy Spirit. And for the rest of us, God, who have, who have made the decision to serve you and to live for you, God, so often we forget that you live in us and what that means, and, and I forget. And, and Lord, I want to ask your forgiveness 
and confess that sin on behalf of my church family that we have many times throughout our lives forgotten about God the Holy Spirit in us. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive us and that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We invite you into our lives and into our church. God, we don't just open the doors of this building, but we open the doors of our hearts and our minds. And Lord, whatever that means, however scary or mysterious or unknown it might seem to us, God, we stand here today with hearts that are open to you. And we ask that you would move in the life of Lakeview Church, that you would fill us with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, that we would not be a church that pushes the tractor through the field, that we would be a church that is so full of the power of the Holy Spirit that you overflow from us, that you empower us, that you flow into the world around us, and when people who we meet on the street come to us, they experience something. And it's the power of God in us. Lord, we invite you into this place. We want to be a church that is known for the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit at work. Fill us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.